was not dead last night for the first time. And uh, I, I stayed up late and watched it. Don and Candace had already gone to bed. It was an awesome movie. I started texting everybody about midnight, and I thought, no, I probably shouldn't. But, man, I almost did, but I will text you. God is not dead. Somebody say amen. amen. He is not. I felt him here this morning. I know he's not dead. Hallelujah. How many has felt his presence already in this place? He is not dead. Praise God. Amen. Yeah, amen. Praise God. Okay. This morning we're going to preach and talk about, actually I'm going to try to teach, but I'll probably end up preaching uh, about grace. Somebody say grace. It's in our church name, Grace Warehouse, but sometimes we don't understand what grace really means. And being brought up in, in, with my background in Pentecost, we didn't hear a whole lot about grace. And, uh, you know, we, it was hard for us to make it. We felt like we were going to hell every day almost if we messed up at all. There was no grace taught to us. So I'm learning a lot about grace. Somebody say amen. Praise God. Turn to somebody and say grace. Praise God. We are an uh, interdenominational church, and we do have a lot of different denominational backgrounds in this church. If we, if we started just calling them all out, it would be like calling every school in Hopkins County out or something. I mean, I know that we are diversified, which is good. Somebody say amen. Because we figured it out that we have one common denominator, and that's Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So some of our background beliefs are different. When all else fails, when all interpretations fails, we turn to the Word of God. Somebody say amen. amen. Praise God. So we're going to be talking about salvation and grace today. You're probably thinking, well, I've already heard all that. I believe you're going to hear some things that you may not have heard. But while studying about grace, God really rocked my world on some things. Now, to understand what we're going to be preaching, we've got to do one thing. And you've got you to agree with me. We've got to be in unity on this, that we are all going to step out of our box. Whatever box you have and whatever box you're in, you've got to be willing to say, I'm stepping out of my box and listening to the Word of God today. That means putting aside all of your preconceived ideas and listening to what the Word of God says. Amen. 2 Samuel 14 and 13 tells of a story. We'll read 13 and 14, and I'll kind of tell what the story is about. Go ahead. And the woman said, Wherefore then hast thou thought such a thing against the people of God? For the king doth speak this thing as one which is faulty, in that the king doth not fetch home again his banished. For we must needs die. And are as waters built on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. Neither doth God respect any person, yet doth he divine means that his banished be not expelled from him. Can you read those last two lines again? Neither doth God respect any person, yet doth he devise means that his banished be not expelled everybody from say, him. Everybody say this with me. He devised means. Okay, you'll get that in a minute. This story is an interesting story, and I'll start off with this today. The characters in this story are Absalom, Amnon, 
and Tamar. Absalom and Amnon and Tamar were brothers and sisters. Also in this story, you're going to find somebody, a servant of King David, which was Joab. You're also going to find a woman from the Tekoa, and then King David, of course. The story goes like this. Amnon was the second born, Absalom, excuse me, Amnon was the first born, Absalom was the second born. So Amnon had the heir to his father's throne whenever it came available. Amnon decided he would do something he shouldn't do, and he forced himself on his sister Tamar, otherwise he raped her. Absalom hated Amnon for that. Absalom devised a plan to have Amnon killed. And so it was played out. Amnon was killed. Absalom fled the scene. He didn't do the killing. He had somebody kill. And he fled. The servant Joab went to King David trying to get Absalom back into the kingdom, devised a plan, paid a woman from Tekoa to go and plead a case and, and a make-up case that her sons had been involved in a, in a similar thing and they were out in the field and that one of the sons killed the other one so the family had banished the other son. And she was pleading to the king, we need something done because my husband is dead. I'm a widow. There's nobody to take the throne. Nobody, I mean, the heirs, there's no heirs left because we've banished this. Is there any way we can get that son back? The law says, I know what the law says, but can we get this son back? So King David made a condition. He, he, made a, a, he changed the law. He says, okay, I'm going to pardon that son. So you just go tell your family that he can come back into the family. All this time, this was a made-up story, and it was hitting home with King David because he really was mourning for Amnon, but he was also mourning that Absalom was not in the kingdom too. So this gave all of a sudden, because he changed the law, all of a sudden it went off in him like a light bulb. I can change it for my son. Instead of him being banished, I can bring Absalom back to the kingdom. Somebody say amen. So what happened was he devised a means to bring his son Absalom back to the kingdom. This was a sign of grace. Somebody say grace. Grace is unmerited favor of God. He devised something that just that wasn't there before. He devised it so that this son Absalom could come back home. Okay? And you need to read the rest of the story, everything, how it unfolded with Absalom coming back in. But I wanted to make that point that King David devised means, showed grace when there shouldn't have been any grace. Shouldn't have been any mercy. But he devised it. Amen. Somebody say amen. Everybody understand? That would make a good soap opera, by the way. I just told what a lot of you probably watch, day whenever you maybe you don't. I hope you don't. Turn to somebody and say, I don't watch that junk. Genesis three twenty one. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. 
This was the first animal sacrifice to cover our sins. Two animals died to cover Adam and Eve. The first glimpse of the unmerited favor of God. Unmerited favor means this. You can't work enough for it. You didn't earn it. It is free. Somebody say amen. Exodus 12 and 3. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. Covered the whole house or family. Grace was when Moses told Pharaoh to let the children of Israel go. And finally when he said the firstborn male and beast, the child and beast was going to die except for the houses that had the blood applied to the doorpost. That was another act of grace. It didn't matter who was in the house, their history, their sinful past. All was saved because the blood was applied to the doorpost. Everybody say, that's grace. The day of atonement, one lamb for a nation. Even when with a lamb for a nation and man was still separated from God. He still had his problems, and there was a veil that was separating him from the, the man from the holiness of God. When you walked into the holy place, you looked up and you saw a veil. You couldn't get to the holy of holies. The other side was where the holy of holies were. You stood on this side of the veil. You sent a sacrifice in with the priest. The priest went in and you prayed, Oh, God, accept my sacrifice. If God accepted the sacrifice, you was good for another year. So you prayed, God, let the smoke come on out. Once you saw the smoke coming out, you realized, I'm good for another year. But man was still separated from the holiness of God, the holy presence of God. Psalm 24, 3 through 5. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, and who hath not lifted up his soul into vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. There's only one person that fits that description. That's Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. Romans 3.23, Chris. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Say that again. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For some have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All. For all have sinned. That includes every one of us. Somebody say amen. Some have sinned even before you come to church this morning. Some sinned on the way to church. Some of you got arguments on the way here. I don't know who that is, but you need to say you're sorry to your wife or whoever you was arguing with. Okay. In Jesus' name. Just thought I'd throw that in. Romans 5 and 12. I didn't have it wrote down. I got it. <laughs> Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. You, and we talked about this last week about being lukewarm, and there's some really good people out there, but they're just lukewarm. 
you may just be a really good guy, but the fact is you were born of a woman and you came into this world a sinner because sin was passed down through the bloodline all the way from Adam. Somebody say amen. So we are sinners saved by grace. Amen. Don't think you're something. We're sinners saved by grace. Now, to the point of my sermon today. Now, I want to start preaching. The only way we could be redeemed from sin was through the shedding of the blood of an innocent sacrifice. We just read of the sacrifices in the temple. We just read of the, of the lambs that were sacrificed for a whole nation or a whole house. But there was an innocent sacrifice that come for you and I. And we are all sinners. And that innocent sacrifice made it happen once and for all, and that was Jesus Christ when he was nailed to the cross. Somebody say amen. The only way we could be redeemed from sin was through the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ. Christ. Matthew 1 and 21. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Amen. God was working a plan once and for all. God was revealing a plan to bring the banished back home. Amen. Somebody say, bring the banished back home. God was devising a means, just as King David devised a means to bring Absalom back home. God was devising a means to bring the sinners back home. Somebody say, amen. I don't know about you, but that makes me happy. That makes me shouting happy. Aren't you glad that we had a sacrifice? that died for us. John 1 and 29. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Yes. Grace was when Jesus was being beat for us. Grace was when Jesus was being mocked for us. Grace was when Jesus was being nailed to the cross for us. Somebody say amen. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God oh, in him. Jesus took my rap. Jesus was made for sin for us. He took your rap. Somebody say, he took your rap. When he said, I thirst, we should have been the ones saying, I thirst. When he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do, it should have been us hanging there saying, Father, forgive them. Somebody say amen. Jesus took everything from us, for us. He was our supreme sacrifice. That was grace, my friend. That was grace. Hallelujah. Jesus took the rap and was crucified for every sin that you have ever committed or every sin that you're going to commit. So, well, I'll never do, I'll never sin. You better get ready to hit your knees and ask God for forgiveness. Somebody say amen. Every time we sin, we just know this, that Jesus feels every time we sin. He feels those nails all over again every time we sin. Every time we sin, he, he feels that, that the angry mob that was spitting on him and beating him. He feels that every time we sin. Instead of the initials WWJD, which stands for what would Jesus do, it, we should be wearing a necklace or something that says WWJF. What would Jesus feel? Because every time we sin, he feels that all over again. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Realizing grace was God sending Jesus to die for us. 
And Jesus was the only part of God that could die. Listen to me. So Jesus was the only part of God that could die. So I step out of my box learning about grace, Tommy Thomas. Praise God. Realizing that there's much grace to those who had a true God encounter. A true conversion experience. Much grace to those who are truly trying to live a righteous life with a pure heart. And that's what I want to stop right there for a moment. Understand this, that if you have a true God encounter, a true conversion. I'm not talking about shaking some preacher's hand. I'm not talking about just raise your hand and say, pray for me. But I'm talking about getting on your knees at an altar somewhere and crying out to the Lord. If you have a true God encounter, and if you are truly converted, and you are repenting, and you're turning from your evil ways, and you're trying to do better and with a pure heart, I want you to understand there's much grace given to you. So if you hit your nail and a bad word comes out, you're not automatically going to hell. But you need to say, God, forgive me of my mouth. Somebody say amen. If you're driving down the road, men, and you see a good-looking woman crossing the street, and you take a second look, and you grab yourself, and you say, oh, I shouldn't have done that, you're not going to hell right then. There's much grace applied, but you need to ask God, forgive me for those thoughts I just had. Somebody say amen. Women, when you look on TV and you see some hunk. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is that me? Was that a good oh, yeah, or bad oh, yeah? <laughs> Donna used to be so infatuated with Patrick Swayze. <laughs> Earlene, you too? <laughs> James, I want to tell you something. Me or you, either one, look like Patrick Swayze. <laughs> I won't go there. Where was I at? Lord, bring me back. If we have true God encounters and we have thoughts we shouldn't have or we say things we shouldn't say or we do some stupid things that we shouldn't do, know this, that if you have a true conversion experience, if you have a true God encounter, that there is grace to cover you when you say, God, forgive me. Somebody say amen. I want to let you know something. We're going to make some more stupid mistakes as we live on this earth. We're going to sin. We're not perfect yet. We're not going to be made perfect until he calls us home and we meet him in the air. Somebody say amen. And we will be made perfect then. But right now we're not. We still are fallible. We still make mistakes. But I want you to understand something. I went to church for years where when I made a mistake, I, I left feeling so horrible. I didn't know if I was coming or going. I didn't know if I was going to heaven. I didn't know what. I mean, I was just feeling beat down. Understand this, that if you have a pure heart and you have had a true experience with God, I'm not talking about a, just a fake experience. I'm not. We got too many false conversions, Brother Chris. You know that. We've talked about it many times. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about if you have a true tear flowing, snot flying experience. 
sometimes I feel like I get out here and I start spitting, Steve. So I'm going to go over here to, to Patrick Swayze right here. <laughs> I would say it's holy spit, but I'd be lying. It's, I mean, it is holy, but anyway. So there is much grace applied to us if we've had that God encounter. But here's the key. When we have a true conversion and it says that we should repent, that means to turn around and go the opposite direction. We have to start living a different life. It was grace that saved us. It was grace that keeps us. It's grace that's going to take us all the way home to heaven. Somebody say amen. Praise God. Grace will cover us. Hallelujah. We need to get those knees bending, get down on the floor and asking God for forgiveness. When's the last time you knelt and said, Father, forgive me, I messed up today. I don't remember Dad ever praying, Mom, a, a prayer that he didn't ask the Lord to forgive him for anything that he had done wrong. Hallelujah. There needs to be a countenance change. When you have that experience with God, you need to be able to get up and there be a smile on your face. Somebody say amen. It gets me, man. I tell you, I, I get all... All bit out of shape when somebody kneels down and they act like they're getting saved and, they, and they're chewing chewing gum the whole time and they get up blowing bubbles or something. And we see it in every church. Crocodile tears, all kinds of fakeness going on. Man, we need some people with some true, true God encounters at the altar. Somebody say amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Mm. Glory to God. Too many people saying that. I have a problem, man. I, we go to some of these concerts sometimes, and, and they have these massive altar calls. And I have a problem with that sometimes because I don't think those people are really getting saved. I think a lot of them are just trying to get close to the stage, get close to the person that's singing. I've taken our youth group before, and I, I know that these, our youth group was saved. They'd have an altar call, and half our youth group is saved all over again. Man, they'd run out and just get close to the stage. I'm going, you're saved, man. What are you doing? Praise God. We need to quit telling people they're saved when they're not. Somebody say amen. That's why I'm so careful when we have Bible schools and we have these things. And, and you hear all these great reports coming out of Bible schools all over the area. A hundred kids get saved or whatever. You know, we had eight or ten that came to the altar, but I don't know that any of them had a true God encounter. So I'm not going to go out and say we had all these. I could. We could. We, we said a sinner's prayer with them. We worked with them at the altar and stuff. But I'm not going to go out and tell them we had eight or ten kids get saved at our Bible school. True God encounters. Amen. Praise God. I was raised Pentecostal, and it was difficult. Man, I'm telling you, difficult to live the standard that was placed upon us. And it was man-made standards, man-made rules that were placed on us, and they tried to tell us it was heaven or hell issues. When all interpretation fails, you go to the book. You go to the Word of God. Somebody say amen. Can I tell you right now, you cannot work your way into heaven. We are nothing but filthy rags. Isaiah 64 and 6. But we are all as an unclean thing and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags and we all do fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away we are some of us you are not me all 
as unclean, as filthy. All as unclean. All of us. You can't work your way into heaven. Somebody say amen. You can't, women and men both, you cannot wear your sleeves long enough. Can't text it there either. That's good. Amen. Women, you can't wear your hair long enough. <laughs> Women, you can't wear your dresses long enough. Men, you can't keep your hair short enough. All these things are happening in different churches throughout our area. These are things to say, you got to do this. I remember, man, I had, a, I, when I had hair, I had, it was right over the tip of my ears. And, I, and, and, and they kicked me off the platform. Now I look at Austin sometimes, I can't find his eyes. I'm going to get him down. I'm gonna, one day I'm going to get him down. We're going to have a blanket party. He said, I'm going to leave it just enough air for his hair to come through, and I'm going to cut it. But no, man, I tell you, we have made so many things heaven or hell issues. And we forgot about grace. You can't cook enough meals to make it to heaven. You can't drive enough church buses to make it to heaven. You can't clean enough churches to make it to heaven. You can't teach enough classes to make it to heaven. All that's good, but it is not but, but by grace that we make it to heaven. Somebody say amen. Grace covers you if you have a tattoo or not. Somebody say amen. Grace covers you if you wear an earring or not. I remember when men first started wearing earrings. My youth group, man, I was coming down on them. You can't do that, guys. You can't do that. Quit it. You can't do it. I still don't really like it. But anyway, you can't do it. But one night I went into my youth group and I put an earring, one of those magnet earring things. It looked like I had a pierced ear. And I walked in and they said, Pastor, you can't do that. I said, why not? You are. Let me tell you something. If you have an earring or not, you're still covered by grace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you wear makeup or not, you're still covered by grace. Some need more than others. Grace, I mean, not makeup, grace. See, y'all took that wrong. Where was that comma at, brother? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm finishing up with this. Romans 6. And this is going to be a, le a little bit of a lengthy reading. Stay with us because I want you to hear every part of this. Brother Chris. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. 
death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under law, but under grace. Ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were, were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. Amen, amen. So he's saying this, so since we're not under the law anymore and there's grace been applied, so, so that means we can go out and sin, we're covered. But he said, God forbid. God forbid. Grace is not a license to go out and live any old dog life you want to live. Grace is not a license to go out and sin knowing that you're okay and you're still going to heaven. I said last week that God said this. He said, if you are lukewarm and you're not living for me wholeheartedly, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. He had grace. He sent his son to die for you. But if you're not going to live for him, he has no time for you. Somebody say amen. We are covered by grace if we accept Jesus as our Lord and personal Savior. Somebody say amen. And if we live with a pure heart trying to be holy. Sanctification is a process. We are not going to be sanctified until we go to heaven. Somebody say amen. But it's a process. We have to try and strive to be sanctified. Sanctified means being set apart. Different. You're not in this, you're in this world, but you're not of this world. Somebody say amen. We're different from the world. If we have grace covering us, we're going to heaven. But let me tell you something. Grace didn't come free. Jesus had to die for that grace. Somebody say amen. Stand to your feet with me this morning if you would. Understand this. Let me repeat. Grace is not a license to go out and sin. In some of the backgrounds in this congregation, there are some that believe, well, I've got grace. Once I'm saved, I'm always saved. If you had a true encounter with Christ, and if you are living, trying your best to live for Christ, grace has got you covered, and yes, you're saved. But if you come and you have a whatever you call experience up here, and you go out and you still live a sinful life, you're on your way to hell. Somebody say amen. But grace is there for us. Wayne, thank God grace is there that covers our silly mistakes. 
Amen. Somebody say amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Every head bowed and every eye closed just for a moment.